Welcome to Decoding Sales, episode three, where we're going to talk about leading a sales call. My name is Alex Lane, and I'm the engineer. And I'm Peter Ahn. I am the salesperson. All right, Peter. Today, we're going to talk about leading sales calls. And what I think is really interesting about this topic Mm -hmm. is it's the first time in a lot of cases where you and someone else are are meeting two different organizations, two different backgrounds. And if I think about a lot of our listeners who are potentially engineers, kind of thinking about this, that that's kind of scary, yeah. right? Like even for me, you don't you don't know this person. Yeah, even for me, right? Oh. Like I get nervous before every single call that I lead, and I've probably had thousands of calls at this point. I don't know, but yeah, it's an awkward situation. To your point, I think that's important for people to hear that nervous energy doesn't go away. So I guess the, the question is. How do you translate that nervous energy into something productive? Yeah, I think for me, there's three crucial components to a call that really good facilitators follow and help calm the nerves if you can follow this framework in your mind. First thing is you always want to make sure your introduction is solid and that you're able to give the floor to the other person to open up as fast as possible as well. Diffusing the awkwardness by having a conversation, not a one-way monologue is super important. Second thing that I think a lot of great facilitators do and call leaders do is they roadmap the conversation and they put together a solid agenda in a way that doesn't feel rigid, but in a way where the other side, where you can feel and sense where the conversation's going and you understand where the markers are for the conversation. The last thing I would say is tangible next steps and making sure you have enough time to talk about those next steps and the execution of those next steps is super important. I try to leave at least 10 minutes at the end of each call to talk about that alone, because if you don't have a good follow through plan, it doesn't matter how great the first call is. Well, that roadmap actually probably provides a great roadmap for the rest of this episode. So why don't we start at the top? You talked about that anxiety at the start of the call and the importance of turning it into a conversation, not a monologue. How do you actually kick things off to do that? The first thing I would say that call leaders need to do is shift from small talk to the actual call, right? It's unavoidable to start talking about the weather or where you're at right now, you know, your kids or your cats, whatever it is that you start talking about. It's actually a really difficult thing to stop that conversation and to say, okay, well, we actually now need to start the call. So mastering that is actually really important. The way that I do it is I actually use the phrase, well, since this is the first time we're speaking, why don't I formally introduce myself first? And I would love to learn a little bit about you as well. So, you know, cutting from small talk to the introduction is important. The other part of the introduction is making sure that you turn over the mic to the other side. A lot of times people will just talk and then go into the agenda. And then before you know it, they're talking for five minutes without the other person engaging. So the last part of what I said there, I'd love to learn a little bit more about you as well, is super important because you're able to then engage and get some context around what the other side wants from the conversation. What I really am taking away from that is the importance of being able to cut from small talk to meet and, and having a phrase that you can feel comfortable going to. And it does seem like comfort is a part of it. You have to feel comfortable pushing through a little bit of discomfort there yeah. to move into the meeting. Yeah, it is awkward because a small talk might not actually fully end, but you're abruptly ending it. But by abruptly ending it, I think the other side will appreciate it because the other side is also psychologically thinking, okay, when are we actually going to get to the meat of the conversation? 
that's such a good perspective. I've been on a bunch of calls and always have grateful when the other person moves us forward, yeah. but hadn't really thought about it from that perspective. Yeah. You've probably been yeah. in that situation where you're like, okay, I'm going to make up more small talk to talk about, but it doesn't feel natural to you. Right. But somebody has to take control and actually get into the call. And, and, you know, when you actually get into the call and you do start the intro, I always like to give more context because it sets the tone for what the other person will say. So if I introduce myself and I formally introduce myself as Peter, I'm a salesperson, the other side is going to mirror that. So I don't just stop there, right? I say, hey, I'm Peter. I'm going to be the account executive helping you through the process of figuring out whether or not our platform is appropriate for you and your organization. Just a little context on myself. I've been in sales for 12 years, really enjoy being able to shepherd organizations through new innovative technology. And that's what really brought me to Dropbox because I can see the evolution of technology. Even though we're not quite in the enterprise yet, I think that the most innovative organizations will adopt this early on. I just made that up. I've never actually said that on a call, but you notice I opened up a little bit as to why I'm excited about joining Dropbox and I sell Dropbox by giving a little humanity to why I'm there. And so as I end that, if I say, Alex, so that's a little bit about me. I'd love to learn about you. Notice that you're the CIO at NBC Universal. You've had quite the storied career. Can you tell me about your background and kind of what your interest in this conversation is? You know, one thing I noticed you did there was you also set, you sort of set a frame for the listener, the other party, by saying, you know, innovative organizations will be adopting us so that that, that kind of creates a, a mental space for them to be operating from that's different from, you know, making a decision to take on this software that has never been used by an enterprise before and just might feel scary. It's like, oh, I can feel good about doing this because I'm actually leading yeah, exactly. And I'm truthful about the fact, you notice too, I kind of said a scary phrase. I said, we're not completely adopted in the enterprise. A lot of people might think, why are you saying that to an enterprise organization? But, you know, going back to the first episode, I want to be transparent about where we are and also frame ourselves in the context of genuine authenticity so that the other side knows that I understand where we are in the market, but that I'm still excited about the conversation because both sides are at the beginning of this innovative journey. Changing gears, at the start of the conversation, you kind of outlined this roadmap for how you approach conversations. Yeah. And you, you talked about outlining, the, the again, the roadmap, to reuse the yeah. phrase, for the call. Where and how does that fit into the conversation? Yeah, so right after the introduction, there's another kind of abrupt shifting of gears or there's another segue where you go into that roadmap or the agenda of the call. So this is how that could work. After you give your amazing illustrative introduction, I would say something like, Alex, that's such great context. Thanks so much. You've, you've done a lot at NBC, and I'm excited that we're chatting. I guess to go back to what I mentioned around the goals of this call, first, I'd, I'd, get to, I'd love to get to know a little bit more about your team, your existing workflows and file sharing so that I understand what's in place today at NBC Universal. Then, of course, I'll show you Dropbox, the admin panel, also some of the new features that we're working on so that you get a sense for where we're going and how we're going to evolve. And then after that, we can discuss next steps if we're still aligned on working together. Does that work for you? And so that is the roadmap to the conversation. You notice in the beginning, I said I'm setting an agenda when we were talking, 
But when I actually gave the agenda, I never used the word agenda. Right. And that's also like a really good trick to use, I think, to make sure the other side psychologically understands that I'm not reading off the script and that this is not a traditional sales call. And then at the end, I always ask a question. Does that sound good to you or is there anything missing there that you would like to add or that you would like to make sure that we cover before we get off the call? That's really powerful. What I'm hearing when you're saying that is really both like these gentle nudges in the conversation that move it in the right direction, but also invite participation from the other parties so that if something is not aligned in expectations, there's actually an opportunity for them to bring that up. And also, like, there's a way to do that collaborative approach. And there's a, a way to invite that engagement in a way that that gets other person to open up. Uh, a lot of people, they take it very literally. And so they'll say, OK, after five minutes, I'm going to ask, are there any questions? And then after another three minutes, I'm going to ask, are there any questions? And then after another two minutes, I'm going to say, I'm going to pause just to see if there's any questions. And that is the wrong way to engage because you're giving the floor to the other side, but it's too easy in that scenario to say yes or no. And usually people are going to say, no, I don't have any questions, right? Because maybe they're texting their friend or they're checking their email or there's, you know, a fire drill happening in another department. So the way that I like to phrase these moments of engagement is to draw from either what you have said earlier in the conversation or what I'm showing you to give you a chance to elaborate on the on the thinking that you're going through right now. So an example of that could be, Alex, you mentioned in your introduction that right now you're really looking to make sure end user intuitiveness and the seamless nature of saving and sharing files is accomplished. So far, what I've shown you, do you feel like that Dropbox can help with that? You know, that's a very different question than do you have any questions? It's like, hey, I heard you in the beginning. I like this. Is what I'm showing you resonating with you or not, right? So you're doing this like real-time translation of what you're hearing in the call to sort of a set of a new set of questions that map to the information you want to get out of the call. Exactly. Yeah. It's like following the breadcrumbs and making sure that you can use those breadcrumbs that the prospect gave you to inform what you're saying and to inform your next question. That seems like a really powerful technique. When I'm imagining doing that, and you've got I, maybe I'm a little nervous about a call, yeah. it's like taking away a little bit from my ability to focus because sure. I'm anxious. It seems really hard to actually handle all three of these things at once, that like anxiety of the call, the information you're getting and the information you want to get. How do you practice that to really get to a point where you're able to bring it all together and make it feel smooth and seamless? I think the way to practice it is to practice what I call bridge phrases or phrases that allow you to connect disparate topics or allow you to get to the next thought because every single call is bespoke. That's the reason why I get nervous. I never know what to truly expect in a call. So I use these verbal aids to make sure I can buy myself time to think. So I'll give you an example of bridge phrases, right? One is, Alex, you mentioned something really important at the beginning of the call. You know, that is actually a bridge phrase that I've practiced a ton because it prompts me, first of all, to reference the beginning of the call and reference a breadcrumb you gave. And it also gives me time to formulate what I'm going to say about that breadcrumb. Alex, you mentioned something really important to me at the beginning of the call around security being paramount, even though you are looking at end user usability. Can you talk to me a little bit more about that? What is security to you? Is it you know, an infrastructure diagram we can provide or is it more 
something that's end user facing, I think it's important for us to discuss that at this juncture, because I know that's something you wanted to chat about. So I didn't fully know exactly what I was going to say in the middle of that phrase when I started that bridge phrase, but it bought me enough time to get to that thought. So that's just one example. Other examples of bridge phrases are, by the way, I'd like to chat about another thing that I had on my mind. By the way is another powerful bridge phrase because it allows you to shift gears and allows you to ask questions while still prompting to the other side that you are slightly shifting topics. So there's all these bridge phrases that that I, I practice and that I get other sales folks to practice that make it feel natural to be able to weave through the conversation. So what I'm kind of hearing throughout this conversation is there's sort of a few tactics that you employ. One is outlining the, the call yep. um, and then using these bridge phrases to transition between phases or stages of the call yep. so that you can break out of one silo and into the next topic and using the bridge phrase to give yourself a little time to think exactly rather than using like a filler word or, or just kind of sitting and staring blindly at the yeah, other person exactly. uh, and it's you know it's not only for you but it's also for the other side too because it's really jarring to go through 15 topics on a call but introductory calls you absolutely have to go through all those topics to qualify the other side and vice versa so it's as much for you, right, Alex, as a as the person I'm selling, let's say, to be able to shift and understand that I'm facilitating the call in a way where I'm going through these questions, I'm going through these topics, but where it doesn't feel awkward or robotic or jarring. In, in some ways, what you're doing is taking some of the work off of me by helping me know what I need to tell you to move the conversation forward. You're kind of you know, I think we talked about this as like leading a call and it's maybe an emphasis on the word leading. Yes, for sure. And yeah, I think that's a good way to put it. I'm trying to make sure based off of all the unstructured, hopefully some structured information you're giving me, I'm trying to put the spotlight on things that you've said to make sure that the things that you've said are not left unanswered throughout the duration of the call. Because so many times you're asked to give context in a sales call And a lot of salespeople don't reference that context you've given because they're so focused on selling their own solution. And so I think the best facilitators are able to do the opposite, where instead of selling their own solution, they're able to put the spotlight on the problems or the opportunities you came to the call with and make sure those fit in with the solution and not the other way around. Changing gears and going back to the outline of the conversation, the last thing you said that was really important was leaving enough time for next steps. How do you take the mass of conversation that's happened and you've gotten a lot of information from the other party, you've shared a lot of information with them? What are your techniques for really getting clear follow-ups? I think the most important thing is being able to summarize the next steps in a way that feels digestible to the other side. So many times, next steps involve 10, 12, maybe 15 items if it gets really crazy. But I think the best facilitators are able to condense the next steps into bulleted, high-level direction points. So I'll give you an example. In one scenario, I can say, Alex, well, thanks for the call. We have 10 minutes left, so I'm just going to list out the next steps that I think are appropriate. And I'll just list it out. I'll say, you're going to do a security review. I'm going to go ahead and get you that brochure about the the next roadmap features that you said you wanted. Um, also, just give you a recording of this call so that you can you know, share it with your colleagues. 
And then next week, we'll follow up with another call. You know, that's a very like dry set of next steps. You probably like lost me at the second next step, I'm guessing. <laughs> All right. So the, the way that I like to handle next steps is instead of listing it, say, well, Alex, that was really useful information for the call. It seems like the most important thing for us to move this forward is to ensure that your team is aligned on the security infrastructure that we have. So why don't we get that done first? And then if that goes well, we can discuss other ways to move the partnership forward. I think you mentioned sharing this with your team. You mentioned also getting a better sense for our roadmap from our product manager. Those things we can definitely facilitate. But let's first of all, get through that security review by next week, if that works, and see if we can continue having the discussion. Does that sound like the most fruitful next step for you? So you see what I did there, right? I said, I simplified the next steps for you and me. If I were to go in the first scenario and do all those next steps, I'm like a puppy dog chasing a ball seven times without mm-hmm. really knowing if this is going to be a deal. The second scenario, what I said is there's one important thing we need to accomplish here before we even do anything else. So let's focus on that first. Let's turn this into a process where you and I both are efficiently going through the, the most important next step before we waste any of our team's time. That's really powerful. You know, as you were going through that first bullet point list, I was thinking, oh, this is a lot of stuff to <laughs> it's do. It's overwhelming. going to write it down for me. Yeah, exactly. It's overwhelming. <laughs> and, you know, it's, it's nice to be able to write it down and organize it and be a good student. But it's harder to get to the nut. I, I always I like this phrase that you use in episode one, like getting to the nut of the partnership and the deal every step of the way is critical. And so being able to do that, even with next steps, next steps is not a laundry list of items. It's a what is the most critical thing we need to do to keep this conversation going. And going back to the first episode in this concept that we talked about of accelerating the conflict. Yeah. I imagine that a big clue for what the most critical next step is, is any place where there's unresolved conflict. Exactly. Yeah. And this is where you, again, bring in the breadcrumb from the conversation and say, hey, you mentioned... This came up, Alex, five or six times throughout the call, this concern of security. And and as I said, I'm confident in what we can provide in terms of our SOC 2 report, penetration tests, and just our overall security posture. But if it's still a concern to you, I think we should address that first before we move forward. And that is like not avoiding the conflict, but bringing it to the forefront, even though it's supposed to be, quote unquote, the easy part of the call where we talk about next steps and bringing up that tension point so that I don't waste time on a second call if this is just not what I think is going to be fruitful. You know, I, I want to go back to something you said earlier. I think the, the word process is really important, and it, it helps me understand more what your role is. Uh, you're almost, it's like, oh, yes, you're the project manager yeah. for this yeah. deal. I think the best salespeople are, are really good project managers as well. I completely agree. And good project managers have to do the exact same thing that you're describing. What actually matters next? Let's not overwhelm the team with a bunch of checkboxes. Let's, you know, call out the the P0, if you will, next item and get people aligned on tackling that. So it's another place where there's a shocking similarity in in the human process between sales and other types of work that only when we've got into this conversation did I realize, wow, this is a skill that engineers often bring to the table is figuring out what is the important thing to do next. And so that's a way that they can if they're trying to get into sales or if they're using some of the same techniques in the rest of their human interaction, 
Yeah, because, you know, the stakes are high when you're involving multiple people, which often happens in a sales deal or a partnership. So I always like to go slow to go fast, focus on the big things. And even if it takes a little bit of time to get over that initial hurdle, invest the time in doing so, because otherwise you're going to waste a lot of time, a lot of people, a lot of resources on either side. Go slow to go fast. Yeah. I like that. Well, Peter, how should we wrap up this conversation? What are the, the next steps for our listeners? Is there sort of one takeaway that they can practice coming out of this call? Yeah, I'll, I'll give a couple parting thoughts for this episode. I think one is really understand what the framework is you're going to go into the call with and practice that framework mentally, write it down, practice how you're going to deliver that introduction. And you can spend several hours just on the introduction because once the introduction is solid, the rest of the call flows much smoothly and you won't be as nervous. And I think a lot of people can attest to that. The second thing is, even though you have a structure and framework, don't be afraid to be fluid throughout the call by practicing these segues and bridge phrases because you are going to have a lot of topics to cover. And being able to do that in an, a natural, authentic way where the other side is able to digest the change in pace throughout the call is really important. And, and you only get that by practicing these bridge phrases. You don't get that by practicing scripts. So that's my couple parting thoughts before we wrap up here. All right. To wrap up, we want to encourage our listeners, if you haven't already, subscribe to the podcast. And in the next episode, we're going to talk about high stakes conversations, negotiations, and, and how to be natural, think on your feet, and still get to good outcomes for both parties. Mm -hmm.